should do nothing as a firekeeper. <laughs> I should simply endeavor to hold neutrality, but to help people let the fire do it for them. Yeah, yeah. Because the fire cre- is the creator of everything, the beginning and the end of ever the creator, the destroyer, all of it. But there's not a thing in this world. There's not a a meal you can eat. A, there's nothing you can do where the energy expressed as electricity in our world. But, but it's all about that that heat, that brilliance, that um, that awareness. We're all alone And we're all Welcome to Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine. My name is Amanda Lux, and I'm the creator of the Elevation Hive School and Community for Energy Medicine and Dream Work. This is the fourth episode in a series where I'm exploring the five elements in the polarity therapy healing model. In today's episode, I'm honored to be discussing energetic alignment through the fire element with Sharon Brown, who is a wise woman and a sacred fire keeper trained in multiple healing traditions. She's been initiated into the ways of the sacred fire keepers for many years. Sharon has also taken some of my polarity classes, including a two-part intensive class on the five elements. And that class really deeply explores how to align and balance and free up and organize our energy utilizing various polarity protocols and practices. So in this really fascinating conversation, Sharon and I discuss some of the overlapping energetic concepts and philosophies and practices that occur between polarity and the Nawa traditions that she has studied extensively for decades. I feel like I got some insight and hopefully you will as well from listening to this episode around how to relate to fire in a deeper way. I've attended Sharon's fire ceremonies and some of the community events she's held, and it's a truly transformative experience to sit with fire and receive its medicine in this tradition, which, as Sharon humbly expresses at every fire I've attended, is a ceremonial process which is on loan from the Huichol people of Mexico. And this way of relating to fire allows all humans, no matter their race, or background to experience and remember their sacred relationship to fire and to the earth, to one another and all beings. And this remembering arises naturally around the fire when we make offerings in a way that the fire recognizes and responds to and has for hundreds of thousands of years. When we connect with fire, in this way, it just inherently assists us in aligning our energy, in bringing more vitality, clarity, courage, and balance to every aspect of our lives. So I just first of all want to thank you so much, Sharon, for responding immediately when I reached out and let you know that I had a dream <laughs> that I had interviewed you. I always you. respond to your dreams, Amanda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a whole other thing planned. And then I had that dream that I was telling somebody that I had interviewed you for this podcast. 
And then I woke up and I'm like, well, that's brilliant. In the dream, I was like, yeah, she's the firekeeper. It's perfect. <laughs> it felt perfect when you asked me. I love to talk about fire. And that was just like two days ago. So It was. And I don't know how we made it work. I'm traveling like for two in two days for like two weeks and I've got so many other things to do but you know I I don't want to block you in manifesting your dreams (laughs) I figured I should participate (laughs) well I appreciate that so much I'm so excited to introduce you. This is Sharon Brown. We're sitting in your beautiful little studio. I've known Sharon for years now, starting with coming to your sacred fires, your fire circles that you hold. And it has gone from new moon to full moon at different times. In uh, this year, it's going to stay on the new moon the whole okay. year. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. I prefer the new moon. So on the new moon here in Olympia, you hold sacred fire gatherings. Those are the women's fire circles that you host. Women's you... fire circles and yeah. also community fire circles. Right. And my husband does uh, men's fires. And yeah. also we have a number of different ceremonies throughout the year. Yes. Yeah. That are related to the, the firework. Everything's related to fire but also are part of the tradition. I'm a, I'm a granicera right. in the Nahua tradition of the Mexican highlands, which is a weather worker. And I'm an apprentice uh, to Patiani, which is like a curandera, but in the tradition of the Nahua. Most people have heard of the Aztecs. The Aztecs spoke Nahuatl, that makes them Nahua. So if you're an Aztec, you're a Nahua, but if you're Nahua, you're not necessarily an Aztec mm. because there are lots of other traditions and names of peoples who speak that language yes yeah and do you want to say anything about how you came to be a fire keeper in the sacred fire tradition oh gosh that's a huge and long story (laughs) i could and would like to but let's talk about polarity let's talk about the fire element a little bit don't get me started (laughs) well i feel really honored that you have attended multiple of the polarity classes. You took polarity one twice, Mm -hmm. the first time when I had first started the school, and then we got shut down, and then you retook it again recently. Yeah. And I love having you in those classes with all of your wisdom and experience. And you also went through the elemental class. So we studied Did that. Going to be taking polarity three, going to be doing cranial sacral. Yeah, Yeah. I, I love how you and Kim teach. I love what you teach, and there's a great, uh, it's not even a synchronicity because that makes it sound like it's two different things. Um, There's a unity between the work I do, particularly as a Nawa, but fire as the creator of virtually everything weaves into polarity just in a crazy, can't make this stuff up sort of way uh, with with this traditional wisdom that I'm studying. Yeah. Well, I I would love to hear more about what specifically you think is so interesting about that. And you and I have talked about maybe even collaborating at some point, which I really look forward to in teaching something that does bring these two together. Well, you know, it's interesting. So polarity is a spectrum, right? People think of polarity as opposites. And what's in the middle of two opposites is this sort of place where they come together and they neutralize each other in a way. And so I think we had a conversation a number of years ago on neutrality. You were making a point of of how you try to maintain neutrality, and I do too. And, And sometimes in our culture, 
socially too, neutrality is not so popular. Right. Um, people tend to feel that being authentic is really taking a firm stand for a particular something. Mm. Like, and that's good. I take a stand for neutrality, right? I mean, every, <laughs> it's, it's good to be firm in what you are passionate about. But I was like, wow, Amanda's into neutrality. I haven't met all that many people. And of course, as a firekeeper, one of the things that we are trained to maintain is neutrality because the whole, the why have a fire, why hold space, sacred space for people around a fire is to create an opportunity for people to express themselves safely. And so you can't invite the public to come to an event where safety isn't part of the package, right? But it's not being safe by stifling yourself. It's being safe by listening. It's being safe by having an agreement that everything expressed in the circle feels real and true to whomever is speaking it. And they you know, I, I heard a definition of love once. One of my teachers said that love is defined as the unconditional acceptance of the other as legitimate. Mm. People have legitimate reasons for what they feel and what they believe. And, and that can turn into lots of political positions. That can turn into a lot of stuck conversations that can turn into a lot of disagreement and challenge between people. And so fire has this capacity to move people's emotions. It has the capacity to shine light on what's hidden. It has a capacity to help someone experience their fear in a different way. And when we do that collectively, what we find is that we are just so much alike someone that we may have completely opposite political views. Mm -hmm. And it tends to land around common heart and family. Being able to feed yourself and house yourself and being able to create a life for yourself what comes up is that people have different ideas about how that should be done. But fundamentally, we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved. That We all want safety. We just have different ways of looking at it. So as a firekeeper, neutrality is extremely important. And of course, COVID was a wild time for that. So when you mentioned your neutrality, I probably, I don't know, I probably asked you to tell me a little bit about polarity or you, you did. And I'm like, I, I need more of this. Yeah. I need more of this. also is foundational to the cosmovision. I love this word, cosmovision, mm. which is a translation of a Mexican word, which is spelled cosmovision. It's just not pronounced the way I'm pronouncing it. Um, 
which is the worldview that you know includes the cosmos and um, the spirituality is is just on the surface in Mexico. It's this very uh, rich and mystical and magical way that people are and, and continue to be. I was initiated as a weather worker by uh, Don Lucio Campos Elizalde in Nepapualco, Mexico in 2001 and have since that time received continuous training. And, and one of the things that I'm deep into right now is working with the way time works and everything is married to its opposite in this worldview. Hmm. The worldview of high and low, hot and cold, loud and soft, strong and, and weak, and there, the thing that's different from our Western view is that there's no polarity around right and wrong morally. Mm. Now, there may be the right way to hold a knife and the wrong way to hold a knife, but it's not a moral judgment. And um, that really intrigues me and, and attracts me. I've had this, this sense since I was a child and in fact, that's part of how I was divined as having a calling is that when I read these philosophies, I'm like, oh, I know this. Oh, mm -hmm. I know this. This isn't what I'm taught in school, but this is familiar to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, polarity and the way energy moves. And I remember uh, when, when you taught about how there is the, the east-west energy and then there's the fire energy. The spiral, the yes. spot That spirals and moves forward. And that is exactly how energy is described in the Nawa Cosmovision. Yeah. Um, Olin is the energy of, of going around and bouncing with pattern. It's like a bouncing ball. It's like the sun coming around the earth. It's like the beating of our heart. Mm -hmm. That's a particular energy. And then there's another energy called Malanali, which is vertical and spiraling up and down at the same yes. time. And when I looked at the pictures in, in the Polarity Workbook, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really fundamental to expanding and deepening my, uh, my Tapatiani, my Corindera practice with how energy moves. I just find it super fascinating. <laughs> After Stone, primarily in Eastern traditions. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. from global. The level I'm at with polarity, right? Um, we could have a conversation. I could discover there's like some whole new secret door that you don't go through <laughs> for a little while. Mostly it, it's being described as energies. And that's the other thing that really turned me on to polarity is that everything is energy. In the Nava worldview, Everything is teotal, teotal. And what is teotal? Teotal is energy. Without beginning, without end, you don't even ask, you know, why is not a shamanically relevant question. Yeah. Uh, it's just what is, right? Yeah. And teotal is this never-ending, always expressing energy. If you think of a lotus unfolding, those animations of the, you know, that's what's happening. And that everything that's unfolding, everything that manifests in this realm, okay, qualifying, we're talking about this realm. Yeah. There are lots of other dimensions, yes. etc. 
But in this realm, everything that uh, emerges is teotal. Everything is sacred. Everything is mundane. There we go. They're two. They're two polarities, right? right. Sacred and mundane. They're both and and always. Yes. But they're always got their opposite. And what's fascinating to me is again the overlap in how healing happens. Time is alive, and so this additional synchronicity between polarity work and the Nawa cosmology and the calendar is that as a human person on the particular day when you are conceived, and it's actually not your conception, it's more when your heart starts to beat, mm. but at that moment you receive an imprint and the sacred calendar is nine Gregorian months long. It's 260 days, which is a little shy of a human gestation, just shy enough that it could be the time when the heart starts, mm. when you become a person. Yeah. Um, and you have this time stamp of these various influences, and you receive three different souls. Mm. One in your head, one in your mind, yeah. one in your liver, one in your lower body, and then one in your heart. And it's all about balancing those three souls. One has the ether <laughs> and the air. It's you're up in the clouds, you're up in the future, which is your mind soul, that right. your tonality soul is in your mind. One is rooted in your, your earth and your water. Right. The, the earth and the water, which is what our body is. Yeah, yeah. Earth and water. And then, and then the heart. And, you know, this is the only thing that I haven't found sort of a perfect fit with polarity. The Nawa view is that the fire is in the heart. Right. That's a little north of the solar plexus yeah. in the air. Yeah. But here's, here's kind of how I, I tend to work with that. The, the true fire in the body, digestion, the real heat, the real workhorse, the upper body work is in the heart. Yes. Yeah. And so the heart has as many neurons as the mind. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. The heart is as actively engaged in learning, knowing, perceiving, generating movement, decisions. And it's the heart voice. That's the voice that's the one that we want to hear. Yeah. And what is earth? Earth is decay. Yeah. Earth is rot, um, it's filth, and so the, the, the Nawa Aztec people have a goddess, Tlazolteotl, and she's the eater of ordure, which is basically animal manure. She's the goddess of ritual bathing. She's the goddess of sexuality. She's the goddess of stink and sin and uh, intoxication and really losing yourself to um, very earthy things. Mm. And she's the confession goddess. Mm. And she is the goddess of weaving. And what she represents is this reality that we are earthy people who screw up and love life a lot and love our bodies a lot. Um, and sometimes we get out of balance with that. Yeah. And sometimes if we don't attend to our family and our community, 
She's a weaver that weaves all this back together through ceremony, through ritual bathing. Have a goddess of filth. Right. Love it. How po- That's polarity. <laughs> So this series that I've been recording is about how to align your energy using the elements. Mm -hmm. And so this episode focused on the fire element is really how do we align ourselves utilizing fire as an ally through the realm of the fire element or the third chakra. And so in polarity, there are certain ways, as you learned in the polarity two class, that we can utilize that elemental nature to help us find alignment in our lives. For me, my favorite way is through embodiment because I see that fire in the involutionary pattern of polarity, how energy steps down into form, it really becomes more physically manifest in the fire. In the air, as we were discussing the heart, there's still this relationship with the mind, with mental energy, with it's still a higher vibratory quality. It's not quite fully embodied yet. But when you get to the fire, it's really about action. Mm-hmm. It's about physicality. It's about inhabiting and, and movement. And um, and I think of that as embodiment. Um, and I go to that in Five Rhythms Dance, which is also related to the chakras, the rhythm related to fire is chaos and that is really fast and loud and hard and it's where we go into that deep place in order to shake everything loose Mm -hmm. and we emerge different it's the great transformer right when we come out on the other side of, of fire we are in touch with our heart in a new way and we're we're cleansed in a way by going into that deep crazy place all the shit (laughs) that's how we cleanse and we transform and so fire is the great transformer fire is the place of of embodiment of taking action and so when I think about for myself how I align my energy through fire I think about the physical practices that help me get there such as my yoga practice and running and even art visual arts is also related to fire and so these are ways that I go to and I was just I wanted to discuss that as part of this episode, you know, like how do we align our energy through with, the fire? With fire. Well, you know, and I think that's part of um, what, and here's another polarity, both confronts me and attracts me yeah. about polarity. Yeah. Is that um, that's a different re- relationship with fire right. than what I've had. Yes. And it's a different archetype. Yeah, the polarity has the archetype of this um, transforming actor um, that's gonna move things around and create some chaos. Uh, in Nawa, we've got some other people that are focused on chaos. In the Aztec view, um, fire is actually above chaos. Fire is, is in partnership with Ome Teotl, which is the oneness. Mm. Chaos breaks into two. Right. The oneness is both at the same time. Yeah. And then it breaks into 
chaos and order, which might be Tezcatlipoca and Quetzalcoatl, might be a way to look at that. But I do have a practice of how, I think your question might be, what's another way to look at working with fire to affect positive uh, positive changes right, and better. Right, right. Let me let me qualify what I mean when I think something's better, okay? Because yeah. because better or worse, good or bad, the Weichel people who are ancestrally related to the Nawa people, when they have a hard decision to make, they all get together. They all talk about it. They don't say what's right or wrong, good or bad. What they say is, will it grow corn? Right. Is it generative for life today and into the future? So how do we work with fire to grow corn in our lives? And for me, that practice is by being with the fire Mm. and recognizing that the fire itself in a fire ring, uncontained fire, is a healing medicine. And I have a couple of things that have arisen for me over time that have shown me how amazing fire can be. So first and foremost, for me, being around fire, it's like my body recognizes it. And we say that it's part of our ancestral DNA. Human people became human around the fire. We were transformed by the fire. And so my body just recognizes it. When I'm around the fire, I feel something. Mm-hmm. And then working with fire in a ceremonial way, making offerings to the fire in a traditional way, which is acknowledging this relationship of giving and receiving, changes the dynamic from, say, a barbecue in the backyard or a bonfire at a party to creating this sacred space that calls in all the directions. And for the time that we're in that space, we're in the center of the world. And the transformation in many ways can come from the being with the fire itself with the context, and you may not even need the context, but I think it helps to have the context that you're there to receive healing, that you're there to move something in yourself, that you're there to open yourself, to let the the light shine on your darkness, to bring forth something. And so I think when you're talking about the outward action and focus and I love that, and I love fire as focus, which I got more from polarity than from my own training. So the opposite side of the outward energy is the inward energy. And so what I hold as a fire keeper is maybe not embodying to bring forth, but embodying to look inside. I remember my daughter, when she was in high school in Santa Cruz, she had a a science teacher, physics teacher, um, who had retired from UC Santa Cruz uh, in physics. So the guy had some smarts. And um, I'd gotten involved with the high school newspaper or something. I was writing an article, I don't know. And I interviewed him and he was one of the developers, first developers of fiber optics. Mm. 
and he talked about how much information can be contained, you know, in a single strand of hair. I don't know, what is it, 40,000 simultaneous transcontinental conversations or something in a strand of hair or something. And, and as I started to work with fire, I've been working with fire for a, for a little while when I interviewed this guy, and I was like, oh my gosh, when we light a fire, how much ancestral information is being conveyed in all that light? Because what came first was the Big Bang, which was this energy, this Teotl. Fire is this Teotl. Yeah. Is this heat. There's not a, there's not a thing that we do and you know this the the camera and the audio recording it works on electricity how do you generate electricity you light something on fire <laughs> or you use water grandmother ocean chachitliqué you know yeah, yeah. water's water's great but what is it what's being created through that water wheel friction right yeah friction fire is friction exchange polarity and so by bringing people together around the fire, by holding a neutral space, and I just want to recount a story that happened to me at, at your class, you know, I was at Polarity One, and Kim did a demonstration. And uh, for the people listening, Kim and Amanda teach together, and they have this class, and, um, and I, for, I think Kim just wanted to, to make a point about the field, about resonance, about neutrality and holding space for a client. And so she asked for one of the students, is anybody feeling something? And a fellow's like, well, my shoulder's bugging me. And Kim's like, well, come have a seat. And, um, and so Kim grounds herself with this upward downward movement that I constantly use now, mm -hmm. uh, drawing up from the earth and down from the sky. Yeah. And Kim said nothing. She did nothing, but she held space. And, yeah. and you, could, you could feel it and see it in her being that she was like really becoming a beacon of energy that was flowing in and out. She was becoming um, transparent and yet highly charged at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know, three, four, five minutes, she's holding this space and she just kind of looks up and he's, she says, how are you feeling? And he's like, well, I feel something in my feet. I feel like something's coming up my feet. She's like, you feel something in your feet. Okay. And then another three, four or five minutes, you know, nothing. She's just holding space. She asked me, how are you feeling? And he's like, well, my, my shoulder feels... It feels looser. It feels looser. And, and I had this like humbling moment. Because as a firekeeper, you know, twice a month, I invite the public to come in and sit at a fire with me. And they have expectations. Yeah. Something's supposed to happen at this fire. And so I'm the kind of person, outwardly focused energy person. And so sometimes if I don't feel like enough is happening, I would want to engage it to happen. Sometimes that's good and necessary, and sometimes it's not good. And watching Kim hold neutral space with intention, she was focused, she asked him what his issue was, she knew it, she was just holding his issue in her field, 
and allowing the energy to do what it needs to do. Yes. Yeah. And when I saw her do that, I was just, and I'm, I'm like tears are like in the back of my eyes here with the humility, the humbling of myself. I do nothing as a fire. I should do nothing as a fire keeper. (laughs) I should simply endeavor to, to hold neutrality, but to help people let the fire do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because the fire cre- is the creator of everything, the beginning and the end of everything, the creator, the destroyer, all of it. But there's not a thing in this world, there's not a, a meal you can eat, a, there's nothing you can do where the energy as, expressed as electricity in our world, but, but it's all about that, that heat, that brilliance, that awareness. I really love, Sharon, the idea that, you know, you were referring to with the fiber optics and that how much information is contained in this strand and that the fire itself is also containing all that information from the very first fire that ever was and the Big Bang and beyond that even, right? Like that it's all all time and all fire is in that fire, any fire. Yes. I love that feeling and that truth. And if I feel that in my body when you say those words. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then when you say that you could take that idea of holding neutral space for a client and how by being in our own alignment, what, what Kim was doing there was getting in her own energy alignment between north and south poles, mm-hmm. the energy alignment of heaven and earth. Yeah. And and opening that channel because of this principle of resonance that we teach in all of the classes, there's an intentional way that we can open our own energy flow and that the other person's energy will also start to flow and find their alignment through resonance. And then it's like you're not doing, you're non-doing. You're in a space of non-doing and total trust or learning to experience trust in a humble way. <laughs> always. Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel about yeah. it. Like you, yeah. always I'm humbly, you know, learning to trust that more and more and to do less and less. But I love the idea specifically around energetic alignment through the fire that there's not any action you need to take, even though fire itself may may represent in certain ideas in polarity perhaps that, that there's action around it that there doesn't necessarily need to be, that the fire has its own intelligence, that the fire elementally has its own power, its own memory, its own transmission, and that if we just sit with it, that it will transform us. If we just are in the presence of fire, it will do that work. Absolutely. And you use the word transmission, and that's perfect. And that's, that's really perfect. And you know, our lives are so consumed by action. Yeah that people need a place to not have action. Right. And so, um, you know, when we sit around the fire, it's really about grounding and listening and letting go. And then if one is interested in holding the awareness of, I can make offerings here, I can express a desire to connect, I don't know what it's like to 
listen to clouds and listen to trees or listen to fire. This is foreign to me, but I'm going to uh, suspend my expectations. And, um, and that's one of the things I'll say often is that uh, when we're making offerings is to start working on moving your awareness from the movie in, in front of your eyes down to the feeling in your heart and just what, if you've never thought, what would it feel like to open your heart? Just mm. try to go for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, open your heart to possibility. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that helps move things a little more quickly, if quickly is your thing, some people aren't ready to change. Right. Some yeah. people, it's too much. Yeah. They don't want to open the door. Right. That's cool too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're wanting to kind of move that along, then speak and tell your story. And rather than thinking, 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 what am I going to say tonight? What am I going to say tonight? I hope they don't call on me. What am I going to say? Like you were saying, do less, right? Just wait and ask the fire. I feel something in my body. I need to let this feeling out. Speak for me, fire. And then listen to what you say. Right. Yes. And it's about trying to get to your deepest honesty. The, the whole idea of um, drawing in the things that frighten you, like the fire is really good for working with fear. Yeah. And oftentimes what we find is that being willing to test the idea that maybe that opposite pole, the pole that you hate, don't like that maybe you need a little bit of something of that that can also come up around the fire Hmm. um, to have that courage Uh, I just love that you're such a student of life and mysticism and many traditions and ways of thoughts and I just admire that in you very much and, and I feel very fortunate to have had when I was a small small child uh, I had some experiences of, um, well, children are magical beings anyway, right? And so I, I remember some of my moments of magic and being able to pull words out of people's mouths and, you know, some of those things. But I knew from the time I was little that um, it's not all as it seems. Yeah. And so that's really been my life purpose is to help people. Um, get some of that. Find a way to connect for themselves and trust, like you were mentioning, trusting yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel really fortunate. Uh, I am a student. We're never done learning, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine. I am so grateful for Sharon Brown for discussing how to align your energy through the fire with me today. And I just want to let you know that you can learn more about the sacred fires that Sharon hosts in Olympia on Facebook. And you can learn about fires near you from this tradition by going to findmyfire.org or sacredfire.org. If you want to learn more about our upcoming polarity classes that are in person on 
beautiful land here in Olympia, Washington, where our school is being hosted. You can learn more about that at elevationhive.com as well as other events and things going on. So I really appreciate you listening, following, reviewing, and just participating with your energy. It is such an honor to be in sacred community with you. Thank you. Thank you.